if you are an academic physician or a physician that has more than just one primary responsibility, chances are that you are struggling with multiple competing commitments and that can be really frustrating. Many times clinical duties and clinical tasks seem to just take over our entire week. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how to actually fix that. And I will give you some very practical strategies. Also, stay tuned until the very end of this episode. I will share with you an exciting opportunity for one of my upcoming trainings that if you are struggling with competing commitments, time management, and just too much to do, This is the perfect training for you. So make sure you stay all the way to the end to learn about that specific training. So let's stay tuned and I will be right back after the music. Welcome to the Academic Revolution Podcast, where we are creating a movement to change the future of academic medicine forever. I'm Inga Hoffman, a Harvard-trained pediatric hematologist, oncologist, and a passionate leadership coach with over 20 years of experience in academic medicine. This is the first podcast for academic physicians that will show you how to achieve higher productivity, become an impactful leader, and create a highly successful career doing what you love without sacrificing your personal life. You and I know that the traditional system is broken, so it's time to say no to the old publish or perish mentality and say yes to lasting change. Join me as we transform academic medicine from the inside out, one physician at a time, starting right here with the Academic Revolution podcast. Well, welcome back to the Academic Revolution podcast. I'm so excited to share another episode with you. And this one is actually inspired by other academic physicians who Uh, requested I speak about this topic. So thanks for suggesting it. And I think it's a really important one. So today we want to talk about how to limit the amount of clinical work that is creeping into our research or administrative time on a daily basis. And that is such a common struggle for most academic physicians. This topic is straight from pillar number one, performance habits of my physician success DNA method. If you don't know what that is, go all the way back to the beginning of the episodes where I outline the principles of the three pillars that you really have to implement in your academic and personal life in order to thrive and create a successful career without all the burnout, frustration, and sacrifice of personal time. So, Let's dive right in. Having an academic physician practice comes with a lot of joys and opportunities, and many of us love the clinical activities we are doing. But so many of us are challenged by the fact that clinical activities and tasks that come up with patients easily can creep into our entire week and basically take over while we are supposed to do research activities or maybe administrative tasks, program building, etc. And when this happens, when clinical tasks inadvertently take over, and I want to just say parsey and say they are important, our patients are important, that's why we are physicians, but it often results then 
in a massive loss in academic productivity, loss of family and personal time, because the stuff that is important to our academic advancement and even to our personal kind of intellectual curiosity and joy to do other projects out of just seeing patients, that then leads to just frustration that we are not able to get these things done. And we either have to take them home on nights or weekends, or we just don't get to do them at all. And we get kind of, I don't know about you, but many people that I see that get um, frustrated, bitter, resentful, because they're missing the, the part that excites them, that is complementary to their clinical activities. Who knows what I'm talking about here? Yeah, and I have been there so many times too. While I love my patients and I love taking care of them, and it is very easy to do those clinical tasks for us, sometimes we long for doing additional activities that actually make an impact on medicine and science by moving research forward, by building programs, whatever it might be that you're passionate about. So we have to have both activities. Well, you don't have to, but if you're a physician scientist, if you're an academic physician scientist, you pick this path because you loved clinical care, but you also loved the other stuff. And you wouldn't want to do one without the other. That's why most of us are here. And that's the beauty of this career and, and this, this pathway, that you have a blend of these things, but the blend comes with challenges. And I want to address these today. See, many years ago, I struggled with this too, to have a clinical practice that very easily took over the rest of my week and that then set me on a pathway that I didn't produce what I wanted to produce on the research track or in other ways because clinical activities took over my week. And I honestly had to take a very hard look at myself and see how did that actually occur and how did this happen. And there were a lot of valuable lessons to be learned for, by taking an honest look and say, well, how did I get here and what are the facts? Pardon, my, my raspy voice, I don't know where that suddenly came from. So for me, it was uh, when I was a junior faculty member, my traditional clinic days had been Mondays. They were the days I always had clinic. Um, and um, for a while, I was easy to keep that up because as a fellow, that's, that was my clinic day that I then inherited as a junior faculty member. But as I was building out my clinical expertise and my niche expertise in pediatric bone marrow failure and myelodysplastic syndromes and myeloproliferative neoplasms, that was really my, my stick and that's still what I'm passionate about today. I became known in this area, in this field, and people started to come from all over the place to get a consultation with me. And that was really exhilarating and exciting. And I love to see those patients. And I put my heart and soul into them because I was really passionate to help this specific patient population. But it also resulted in me being quite flexible with my time and basically said, I can see this patient whenever. I was also a transplant physician at the time. So instead of saying Monday are my clinic days and without exception or only rare exceptions, this is when the patients should be showing up. I said, well, let's see what is most convenient for them because some of them traveled far and I wanted to be of service to the patient. 
which is in general a good thing and I'm still fully supportive of that but sometimes we go a little bit too much on the other end of being of service that we then hijack or self-sabotage our own careers and even the bandwidth we have for individual patients because we let go of control of our time and schedule. Let me just say this, if you're losing control of your time and your schedule, in the end, you will be serving nobody, including your patients. That is really, really important to remember. But I wasn't at that stage. So at that time, I easily did things that were clinically related on my non-clinic days. And in a way, that was easy for me to do because I knew how to take care of patients. I knew how to take care of very complex, difficult diagnosis and how to think about very rare, complex problems. I was thriving on that. I could do that all day. And then taking care of their, the patient's needs or things that came up in the clinical realm was also easy after all. We trained in this profession for years, right? So we know how to get stuff done and we wanna get stuff done because we are all action takers and moving things forward. But what happens that often these clinical activities, yes, they creep into your day, but we also make choices along the way to actually make that happen, to have clinical activities take over our entire week. Because guess what? There might be days when I was sitting in the laboratory actually needing to do lab stuff or writing stuff, and I got an interruption by page or by email, whatever, to take care of a patient thing. Guess what? While I was in some fraction, some part of me was annoyed. Another part of me wanted just the problem to go away and deal with it so I could move on with the task I wanted to do or should be doing. But there was also a fraction of me that welcomed that disruption because that disruption meant I could do something easy, meaning taking care of a patient issue is usually relatively easy in the most part, unless it's a devastating situation, versus what was hard in the moment, maybe get my writing started, thinking through a problem uh, in the laboratory. See, the, the, the part that requires more of us, of our intellect, of our inner workings, is sometimes harder than quickly getting something done on the clinical side. And so we default to what is easier for us. If you don't know what I'm talking about and you cannot relate, just think about back to the days when you're a resident or fellow. And think back to the days when you became a senior resident and you were very easy to jump in doing the intern or junior stuff. Because guess what? You knew how to do that. You were on your third level of training. It was very easy for you to default into that role and get it done much quicker and faster than the intern. But remember, that was not your job. Your job was to grow as a senior and to lead and to supervise and to teach and to instruct and to do the higher level of thinking. And the same is true as we move along in our career. Naturally, all of us will default to the position of least resistance that is easy for us, that is in our comfort zone, than doing something that is uncomfortable. And I just want to point that out because I've seen this over and over again with so many of my colleagues, with the clients I work with. That is usually what happens. 
that's what happened to me for sure. So I want to make that very clear because I want you to have self-awareness where that shows up and be brutally honest. If you want to change how your week looks like, you need to look at the facts and stare them in the face and say, what is my personal responsibility in this? Okay, so now that I outlined all of this, let me actually give you some very practical tips how to overcome this and how to change the trajectory and so that you can be back in control of your schedule and your time. And learning that skill set to take that responsibility and being intentional with your time is one of the most important things you will be ever learning. And it is an absolute requirement for you to have personal and academic success. If you are just at the limb and wimp of other people's agenda, guess what? Jim Rowan, I think, was the one that says, well, don't rely to be on other people's agenda. If you don't set the agenda, if you don't plan your day, guess what? Somebody else will be. And guess what? They don't have as much planned for you. If you want to be in control of your life, you take charge and responsibility. And one important thing in that is you have to remember what is the main thing here? What is the main thing in my personal, my professional life that I want to accomplish? And I could talk on a whole another topic. This comes up in coaching uh, conversations all the time, where people actually have to sort out what the heck is the main thing here for me, because that can be really hard to work through. But you have to be crystal clear what that is, because otherwise everything else will take over and you are all confused what the main agenda actually is. And you get to decide what that is because it is your life, your dreams, your goals, your visions. So that is really, really critical. So in order to be successful, you have to keep the main thing, the main thing. That's what Stephen Covey says. And I totally believe um, that is a great principle. So let's talk about how we actually going to do that. In order to accomplish that and avoid the clinical stuff bleeding into every day of your week, you need to really do two critical things. Number one, you need to know what the main thing actually is. We're going to talk about that in a second. And number two, you got to put systems and structures and processes in place to actually make that happen and protect your time. So you're ready to dive in. If you're not driving, you might want to write some of these down so you can really have a checklist and check yourself up on these. So the first one, how do I actually know what my main thing is? The short answer, and I do a lot of trainings and teaching on that. In fact, if you go to the special training I'm going to announce at the end of the podcast, you will learn a lot of this. I work with my coaching clients on this all the time. You have to be crystal clear on your goals academically, clinically, administratively, but also personally in all areas of life. It is not just medicine and our academic career. It all plays together, right? What are your goals for your life, your personal, your professional life, your family, your finances, your health, all these things? Because if the shoe is going to drop in one area, your life can be pretty miserable and you might have not experienced that or seen that with families, right? With your patients. So that is really important. We're not going to dive into that. That is a whole different topic of discussion. For today, we're going to focus on the systems and the processes. And I just want to give you six points to help you build structure around your week. The first 
one in building systems you really have to develop systems to make your week work and make your time intentional so what do i mean by that i very intentionally plan my week in front end and back end days I kind of got inspired of some of those ideas by Michael Hyatt, who is a leadership consultant, coach, author, writer, etc. So front-end days are the ones where the critical activity happens that moves the needle. Back-end days are sort of the, the, the background work that happens. So how I think about it is there is clear clinical days in my week, and then there's administrative and research time, and there might be hybrid days. So give you an example. Wednesday has always been my clinic day, my new job, and I was doing everything that I can to protect that time and keep the clinical day the clinical day. So I have clinic on Wednesdays. That means I see patients are usually on Wednesdays and any clinical activity that is related, I would do on Wednesdays. And I will do work very hard not to do any clinical activity on other days until absolutely necessary. That's honestly, when COVID hit, that was easy for me because I already had structure and systems in place that allowed me to work from home. And everybody else was scrambling how to do this because I already had the structure. I knew when to go to clinic and put my clinical hat on and I knew when to have administrative time and research time. So once you figured out your clinical activities, whatever your clinic days are, your times on service, that's your sole goal and focus. Get everything down that time. Don't try to squeeze in other things. You will become frustrated. On the flip side, make sure that on your non-clinical days, you will block time and be intentional about administrative and research projects. So I can tell you Tuesday, Thursday used to be my research day. And then Monday, Fridays were sort of hybrid days. Uh, Monday was very administrative heavy with a lot of meetings. Friday was a little bit of a hybrid and sort of a joker day where I could squeeze other things in. So how that schedule looks like for you is totally dependent on your career path. But I challenge you, figure this out and be creative and make it work. It will take time to transition. This did not happen for me overnight. I had to train people. Number two, block the time out accordingly. You have to be intentional to blocking your calendar that way. So when you schedule things, that things are appropriately scheduled or when admins schedule things for you, that they know meetings for whatever, for Inga, for Jessica, for Tim, can only happen on these days. My meeting days used to be Monday, Friday, Wednesday morning sometimes. There you go. I did not take meetings on Tuesday, on Thursday, unless it was absolutely essential in an emergency. So you have to block your calendar in chunks accordingly. Some people call that time blocking. Number three, schedule events in your calendar. Make sure you actually not just block in your head, make sure you schedule these timeframes in your calendar so that it is clear to you what you will be doing and that it is clear to the administrative staff what you will be doing. And uh, I just had a conversation with one of my coaching clients about this. She is a master at this and uh, I maybe bring her on the podcast because she is such a stellar example to have implemented this over time and has massive success. She is such a role model for, and I think she will be an inspiration for a lot of you. 
Number four, you need to have supporting systems. That means you need to tell your admin, be crystal clear and tell them if you have an admin, tell people, do not block, educate them. Do not schedule meetings on certain days. Keep clinical activities on these days. You have to tell them how your week, how you want your week to look like, not the other way around. You are in charge of your life and your schedule, so take responsibility. And then share that with clinical staff. And then I would also go as far as being thinking creatively and practically, like, okay, maybe you have people in the lab, they have questions. Sometimes you want to be approachable, then create office hours, but don't be available 24-7 and then wonder why you're constantly disrupted or interrupted. You can schedule in basket time and tell your nurses, this is the time when I review my uh, clinical in baskets, if you use Epic or something else, where I respond to these messages. If it's urgent, people can page you. If it's not, it can wait 24 hours. See, how we train people is how things will look like. That brings me to number five. You need to set boundaries and you need to set those boundaries early on. But most of us make mistakes with that early in our career, like I reviewed earlier, I mentioned my story, it was easy to get that clinical stuff done. We try to be helpful. We try to be collegial. We try to be a service to our patients. I'm in pediatrics. We don't have much support staff. And you end up being available for anybody, anytime, all the time, and your stuff that is your priority to get promoted, funded, and published, all the good things, and have some sanity in life, goes, falls on the back burner. And then we are wondering why we ended up this way. Chances are, based on my personal experience and that of countless of people, is that we have at least in part a chunk of responsibilities in there. It is our responsibility to set boundaries and tell people how our time will look like and that mean doesn't mean we need to be nasty or mean about it that just means like we are people of intentionality that means you're a leader people will be inspired by that they will look up to you they know you get stuff done because you will be if you have some structure in your week and they really admire that and that's what a real leadership is but that takes me to the sixth point responsibility. Personal responsibility is one of the best and most difficult perhaps characteristics you can have. If we are not responsible and taking personal responsibility for our life, guess what? We're gonna end up somewhere. Each and all, every one of us is gonna end up somewhere in life. We're gonna either get there by default and being pushed around by other people's agenda, or are we going to get there by intentionality? Taking an intentional path takes a lot of personal responsibility and integrity, and I'm not going to say it's easy, but it is possible. Now, you might say, just as a last side note, you might say, Inga, you don't understand. You know, my institution doesn't support me. It's really hard, and the academic system is broken. And I'm fully aware that the academic system is very broken. That is why I'm doing this podcast, because it needs to change. But it will not change by just complaining and getting frustrated. 
it is time for us to say, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to change and I'm going to lead the way. But you cannot create change until we all have started to take personal responsibility and start change within us. You have heard this, you know, the change you want to see in the world, be the change you want to see in the world. And it is so true. Otherwise, we are just complainers and that is never very attractive. People want to fill our leaders, not complainers. Anyways, that got me all of an attention. I'm really excited about this stuff, though. And the reason why I'm so passionate, because I used to be the complainer and the whiner and everybody else's fault, until I had a hard look on myself and say, where do I have personal responsibility and all of that? That was not easy, but that turned everything around. And that was so important. So... Very quick to review, you need systems and structures to support your week and make sure that you have a plan in place and structure in place that you don't have clinical activities bleed into every day of your week. You need systems and structures with front-end days and back-end days. Number two, you need to block your time accordingly. Number three, you need to schedule those events in your calendar. Number four, you need supporting systems. Tell your admin, make sure you have office hours, etc. Number five, set boundaries. And number six, have personal responsibility. All right, that's it for today. I know that was a big episode. I know it's going to help a lot of people. Hey, and if it does help you, what I would appreciate, leave a review and a comment and share it with your friends because chances are you're struggling somebody else. If this helped you, chances are it will help somebody else. Pay it forward. I know that's not a thing we do in academia very much, but pay it forward. It will come back to you. Have a blessed day. Have a wonderful day and make sure you stay tuned for the special teaching announcement right after the music. Hey there and thanks for sticking around. Really quick, I want to let you know about a great opportunity to join me in my very famous Ditch the List Bootcamp. Now, the Ditch the List Bootcamp is a special training I do a couple times a year where I teach you in a matter of five days how to get rid of your overwhelming to-do list and implement new strategies to understanding where you're wasting your time and what to do instead and how to build a very reliable system so that your week is built with intention. This is especially important for those of you that say, oh my goodness, I always run out of time, I have too much to do, and my clinical activities always bleed into my academic activities. The next bootcamp starts on February 6th. So February 6th to the 10th, mark your calendars, already block that time off. I want you to be in the room because it will change your life. This is by far the most popular thing I've done over the last three years and my clients and everybody in medicine loves it and I've taught this all over. So to sign up, go to the show notes. There is a link for you to sign up to join. Have a great day and see you soon.